The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. After Mike Springer gave a message, the last message in, uh, that we had in 1 Peter, um, in the verses, in the first verses of chapter 2, where it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander of every kind. I wonder if, as you reflected on your own life, whether you said, Well, yeah, I've got rid of all of that out of my life, or whether you said, no, I haven't got rid of it all. In fact, I've got way too much in my life. Maybe you're somewhere from the top to the bottom um, in ridding yourself of sin. Maybe that's a big struggle in your life and and, um, you don't know what to do about it. I want to encourage you today that... um, there are answers to that. Next question I would like to ask is, are you who you hope to be? Are you who you hope to be right now? You can put up your hand in your heart if... (laughs) I won't embarrass anyone. Put up your hand. Don't really put it up. If you are who you hope to be, you're wrong and those who didn't put up your hand you're also wrong it's one of those trick questions okay Um, let's uh, read the passage 1 Peter chapter 2 starting at verse 4 and going to verse 12 and I'm reading from the New International Version as you come to him The living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, your living word. We thank you that uh, we can meet here freely to read your word and share together as a congregation. And Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit now to speak to each one of us in the way that you want to speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he called his wise men, his astrologers, uh, his witch doctors, whatever, into his court and told them, I had a dream and I want the interpretation. This dream was really troubling King Nebuchadnezzar a lot. He knew that this dream had... um, powerful message in it, a lot of meaning in this dream. And then the wise men, the astrologers, the soothsayers, all those smart people said, well, tell us a dream, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, I think, was onto uh, these wise people. And so he said, when you can tell me what I dreamt and the interpretation, well, Um, then I'll be satisfied. And they, of course, said, that's impossible. You you must tell us the dream. No one can do that. And then uh, the king got quite angry and gave them a certain amount of time to come up with the answer or they would die. And Daniel was one of the wise men, maybe not in front of the king at that time, in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so he asked his uh, other three friends to pray that there would be some way out of the wrath of the king coming on them. And God did give Daniel both the dream that the king had and the interpretation. That's in Daniel chapter 2. I just will read um, a part of that. The king, uh, this is in Daniel chapter 2, verse 26. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than other living men but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation 
and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. So in, in this passage in First uh, Peter chapter 2, we have quite a few references to the stone or the rock. And throughout scripture, um, we see uh, the metaphor of the stone or the rock used. And it is pointing to Christ, to Jesus. In verse 4 here it says, As you come to him, a living stone. In chapter 6, Behold, uh, verse 6, sorry, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And in uh, verse 7, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that is talking about Jesus, as uh, most of us know. And uh, that, that draws references both from the Psalms and from Isaiah and um, even back further in the Old Testament and even in this passage in uh, Daniel chapter 2. The stone, or as we just uh, sang the song about building our lives on the rock, is Jesus. For those of us who... Um, choose Christ to build our lives on. For those of us who choose to um, put our faith in Christ, this stone is wonderful, this stone is precious, this stone is um, what our lives are built on and it is our firm uh, foundation. But for those who reject this stone it is a stumbling block and even today in uh, what, whatever society that we live and work uh, Jesus is still a stumbling block to many he is an, his name is just uh, a name to be taken in vain and, and not a name to be uh, held in high esteem And, um, of course, the Jewish leaders at the time when, when Jesus was just before his crucifixion, they rejected Jesus, which, which comes out in verse 7. The stone that the builders rejected, talking about the leaders of the Jewish nation uh, rejecting Jesus. But we also have the choice whether to receive and accept Jesus as that rock that was carved out, not with human hands, and is 
um, going to fill the whole earth. God's kingdom will prevail and um, we are urged to put our faith and trust in him, which I'm sure most here have, but maybe not all of us. Is Jesus to you that firm foundation or is he still offensive and a stumbling block to you? In Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Isaiah 8:14. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Isaiah 28:16. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Jesus in Matthew chapter 21 and the other Gospels too um, records. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvellous in our eyes. And uh, Peter in his sermon in Acts chapter 4 also refers back to Isaiah pointing out that this is Jesus who they rejected. So that is Jesus, the firm foundation, the rock on which we should build our lives. Someone uh, recently uh, said this, someone quite close to me, And as they were reflecting on their life, they were um, that they were asking this question. I'm still trying to find out who I am, who I am. I wonder if you're asking that same question: Who who am I? What is my purpose? Uh, how is my life going to go from this point on? And I know a lot of you here are in the middle of transition, some just transitioning out of a school year and going to come back, but a lot are moving, transitioning on leaving Thailand for a long time and there are lots of unanswered questions. And maybe that's discomforting, maybe... You're losing sleep. Maybe uh, you just just don't know what is is ahead, and um, that, that plays on your mind all the time. Uh, on on Friday, uh, Grace International School had had their graduation ceremony, and part of that ceremony is uh, those graduating try and say what they're moving on to next or how their lives 
will be in, in, in the future. And some didn't know, but most of them had really uh, fine goals for their life, goals of getting fine jobs and serving the Lord. And I wonder if that all fails, whether that means that my life's a failure now. Maybe you drop out of university, maybe you get sick and can't study, maybe you can't find a job, maybe uh, you die but you won't wonder about it then. There, there are lots of maybes as, as we look forward in our life and we don't know if it will go one way or will go the other. Now, uh, in, in the first few, first two sermons, uh, Pastor Nate, who, who started off in First Peter, says um, there's he had the first two verses or first four verses and he, he was saying like there's 50 sermons just in, in these few verses. Um, thankfully he didn't preach them all on that day. But uh, I would like us to remember that the, the letter of First Peter is also one sermon or it's one letter written in love to uh, various congregations um, in, in the first church. And this church was under severe persecution most of the time. Maybe sometime it was a bit peaceful, but most of the time this church was under severe persecution. And many of the people in these congregations would have been seen as outsiders, as weird, and maybe they couldn't get jobs, and they were certainly not looked up to or esteemed in that society. And Peter's writing to encourage them and it doesn't matter how we look at the world today whether we think it's all really great or we think it's all hopeless um, I think there's uh, better things for us to set our lives on so um, when someone said the other day I'm still searching for who I am who am I and that was part of the question at the start, which was a trick question with no yes or no answer. Are you who you hope to be? Because uh, that does have two answers and they're both right. Such as when when Paul um, says in Romans chapter 7, So I find this law at work Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, how, how, how has your week been? Uh, for me, uh, it's been quite a tiring week. Uh, lots going on. Uh, kids transitioning out of the dorm saying goodbye for, maybe not forever, but for a long time to uh, six 
um, out of our large family and then just all the work going on with my wife does more of the work than me but I still do some and I still get tired um, all the work going on with packing up house with sending people off and getting tired and frustrated and annoyed and whatever so you see that other law that bad law, that evil law at work, right? And maybe you say something wrong, you certainly think wrong things whether it comes out or not um, and you're reminded how wretched you are. Anyone like that the past week? Don't shout out, just uh, think about it. And Paul goes on in that passage uh, in Romans chapter 7. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So he talks about that battle happening. Paul also writes in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And also in 2 Corinthians, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, we we can see clearly the sort of dichotomy happening there, the the two things clashing. And um, today I really want to encourage you with, with what Peter encourages us with, which is in verse starts in verse 9. This is really how we should identify ourselves. Not with our occupation. Now missionaries, uh, if, if you go home to your supporting church, maybe your, your occupation is the pinnacle. But once you're here on the field, it's nothing. And certainly our society would just say you're going out there destroying cultures what a stupid job Um, or maybe your successes such as are you a successful singer I know some here want to be successful in that sort of thing are you going to be successful at sport you might end up having a terrible accident and that dream goes trying to cheer you up Um, and and the world uh, another thing the world's trying to define us in a big way is our sexuality that that should not define us that shouldn't be what defines us that's only um, part of the equation what defines us as Christians is from verse 9 following but you are a chosen race and the purple the royal you are a royal priesthood you are a holy nation 
a people for his own possession. Verse 10, once you were not a people but now you are God's people. Is is that how you define yourself? Because it should be. So whether other things around your life such as whether, whether you have a job or not, whether you are healthy or not, whether you are rich or not, whether you have family or not, whether you're married or not, and I should say it all the other way around, but I forget it all, so you can sort of swap it all around as well. That those things do matter, but they should not define who we are because those things, in a sense, are outside our control. But who we are and who Peter is um, telling his listeners is you are precious, you are God's people, you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, set apart for his own possession. God, eternal God, majestic God, wonderful, mighty God has chosen you for his possession. That's wonderful. There's nothing more wonderful than that and it is in Christ. He has chosen us in Christ. So don't let the world or your old self uh, try and define who you are whether you're a success or a failure. Let God's word and what it says define who you are. So whether you're in a big transition right now or uh, everything's just going on as normal, well, it won't always keep going that way. Um, Don't let circumstances and whatnot around you define who you are, but the fact that we are God's people because of the choice that we make to build our lives on the rock. I want to talk a little bit about being chosen. Um, I don't really want to go into the Arminianism and Calvinist debate. They are both right and both wrong, in my opinion. You can... I'm not going into that. Um... In verse, verse 9 it says, you are chosen. And it follows on, um, where does it say it? Previous verse. Uh, the, the verse. Verse 8. Actually, I'll go back even another verse. Verse 7. So the honour is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Destined to do. Predestination, uh, being chosen, election, what does that all mean? Well, I'm not going to talk about all that, but I want to point out a few things from this passage and I think you um, can search other stuff for yourself. And if you're really still struggling with this, go and look at both debates 
and, and read them through and then read what the Bible says and then you can come and talk to me and I'll explain a bit more. I only know a bit more, I don't know much more. Uh, in, in this verse, they stumble because they disobey the word. So there's a choice being made right there. They disobey the word. That's why they stumble as they were destined to do. When, when I look at that verse, they're destined to stumble because they are disobedient people. That, that's how I look at that. Their choice to reject Christ the rock and so they're destined to stumble. As for us and being chosen, if you go back to verse 4, it says, as you come to him, a living stone. So as we come to him, the choice is there, as we come to him, the living stone. So free will and God at work according to his good pleasure, according to the rules he has set in place for us. Uh, A couple of our uh, folk in the dorm were writing a paper about assurance of salvation. That's that's a good topic. I'm, 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 I'm assured of my salvation because it doesn't rest in anything I can do but it rests in what Christ the rock has done. Now, now to keep this short, this is another sermon of course. Um, Pastor Tim can pick up these themes when he gets back. He's a bit better at it. Um, when I look at faith, choosing to place my faith in Christ and his work, his finished work on the cross, faith is always present. It has to be. You, you can't rely on a decision back, my decision was probably back in like 1970 or 72, something like that. But if all of a sudden I get confused, I uh, start to believe other things and reject Christ, well, I don't have that faith anymore, do I? And so, where is my salvation? Faith must be alive right now. And there, there are plenty of passages that, that point, out, point that out. Ezekiel has some of that. Uh, Paul himself says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says somewhere else, if you have been grafted in, maybe you can be grafted out again. Our response is faith. God has done the rest. None of our effort. Now that, that's, that's, that's a big, uh, that's a just a tiny summary quickly and I can't go into it anymore. But, but think about it. Think about where is your faith today? Is it on the rock, Christ? Uh, Peter goes on then, once, once he talks to uh, and tells his listeners that they are precious, they are chosen, they are holy, they are people for God's own possession, before they weren't a people, now they are. Once they had not received mercy, now they have. He then talks about how their conduct, conduct should be, how it should be honourable amongst the Gentiles. Uh, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, or exile, uh, uh, aliens, and exiles to abstain 
from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. He's asking, uh, urging his listeners to abstain from fleshly desire and that goes back to Paul's argument as well about the war going on. Even though they are chosen, royal, holy, a people, God's possession because of their faith in Christ, Peter still has to say, please as Christians live this way. And uh, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. How, how is your life seen by your neighbours, by uh, where, wherever you're working? Is your life a shining light? Is it salt? And the church as a whole, how is the church as a whole seen by society? Now there will always, uh, as it says here, that people will always be speaking evil against the church because that's the way the world is and how Satan acts. But... It is the church itself bringing its name into disrepute, if you like, by not being filled with grace and love and mercy to those we are living amongst. Now, I know as uh, coming to Thailand as a missionary and reaching out to Thai, I, in my, as I learned as I went along, uh, knew that my life had to uh, meet up with what I say, so try the best to do that, but at the same time needing to explain that there's still that battle happening and you need to confess that even to your neighbour or whatever. But it was also not, never, an attack on their lifestyle or their beliefs Etc. Any missionaries here, I believe, would, in their missiology uh, studies, would not take that approach, that attacking sort of approach against someone else's belief. Because what happens? They don't listen, right? As soon as you start to attack someone, they don't listen. Uh, there is a better approach, and uh, we see it in Paul's life and also Peter and it's much more gentle it's, it's honest and with the truth but it's pointing to what Christ has done it's not necessarily pointing at them and what they've done it's pointing to what Christ has done for them um, I, I picked up a book well it, it's on my Kindle there was a book downstairs on the table and it's probably still there uh, there's quite a few good books down there um, for you to look at It's by Yancey, um, called Vanishing Grace. And it's a very good read. Personally, I agree with him like 90%. doesn't matter what, why I don't agree 10%, but I'd never agree with anyone 100%. And 
he looks at the church, especially in America, and its response to what's happening in America, whether in politics or moral issues. And we know that one of Yancey's first books was What's So Amazing About Grace and how that it had an impact, God's grace impacted his life as it has all ours. But as he looks at the church, um, he has a message for the church of today, especially, I guess, in, in, in our Western societies as we see how society is going a certain direction. And, and he, he talks about a, a post, post-Christian society in America, for America, and I would say the same is for Australia. It's post-Christian. It's not Christian anymore as it was. And, of course, many in the church get very upset at that, right? But if you look at when Peter was writing, what was the church? It was a tiny minority of of the society of that day. And so sometimes we get caught caught up in, in battles maybe we shouldn't be fighting but showing a different way. Now, I know there is a time for us to speak up about moral things in our society because they're dangerous and and they're they're destroying stuff but always, always, always the church should be showing grace and mercy and love to those who are outside the church. I'll just try, maybe I'll just read one of his quotes or two. Some, this is one of his uh, quotes in one of the chapters, somehow Christians have got the reputation of being morally superior when in fact we turn to God only when we have recognised our moral inferiority. So when we think of when we first come to Christ, why was that? Because we were failures, right? I want to do one more. So Christian churches are not, as a rule, model communities of good behaviour. That's not the whole quote, there's a reason he says that. They are rather places where human misbehaviour is brought out in the open, faced and dealt with. So any, any of you who have started planting churches know that. But for those of us from societies where the church has a long history, maybe we've forgotten that. But if you start working with a group of people who have never heard of Christ, you are always dealing with misbehaviour. And Peter, uh, in chapter 4, he says, judgement begins in the house of God. Not outside, that, he says that's, that's later and it's way worse for, for them. And, and he's not saying we should start judging one another, but he is saying we, we need to look at our own lives and see that if we are built on the rock and living in obedience to Christ and, and showing his love and mercy to the society around us. And this is what he's urging the listeners in this chapter to do. Even though... They are hated by a lot of people and even though some of them are being killed because they believe in Jesus, he's still urging them to shine the light and to reach out.
There's some more quotes there. You can come and see me later. Um, as, as I drive, when I'm in the van, it takes 14. Sometimes we get 16 or so in there. And when, when I'm driving the van around, sometimes I forget that I should be an example in my driving. It's never dangerous, even though Ivan thinks I'm a dangerous driver, but I'm not. Um, but when I, when I think of the guys in the dorm, and, and like three or four, four of them want to get motorbikes next year so they can go around the place, that's pretty scary. But I should think of it more often, and I'm trying to do that in... in teaching by the way I drive how they maybe should start driving which, which like we know experience and, and stuff you, you know what's all around you whereas when you first start off you don't why am I saying that? well I need to be a good example in that and the, the next two verses that follow this passage which haven't been given to me so I'm not going to go into too much do talk about subjecting ourselves to governmental authorities and so obviously someone might talk about road rules as well because they're from um, authorities, right? So our conduct is important, but it's built on Christ. But please remember who you are. Let's pray. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Thank you.